Hello, and welcome to another episode of Nerd Nation Entertainment Broadcast. I'm your host for today, Hank Zappa. Proud to be here. And today, as always, we have a guest. So let's give him a call. Hello, sir. Hey, Ryan, what's going on? It's Hank. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. You're live on the new Nerd Nation Entertainment Broadcast. Pleasure to have you on. It's a pleasure to be here. No doubt. No doubt. Um, so, yeah, man, it, it's, uh, it's been a while since we spoke, but uh, you're a really good friend of mine, and you're a well-known actor in Metro Detroit, and it, it's a pleasure to have you, man. Thanks for being on. Thank you for having me. For sure, for sure. Uh, so, Ryan, what's, um, what's life like for you right now as, uh, as an actor with the, the pandemic going on and trying to find work and, and whatnot? Well, I mean, like everybody else right now, uh, I don't think anybody's doing what they thought they would be doing one year ago. Um, it's, it's hard. I mean, it's, it's very, very hard for, for everyone, but it's, it's particularly hard for artists because so much of the community doesn't know, you know, when they're going to work again. They've been unemployed for, you know, almost a year by the time we start to come out of this, uh, especially live uh, live performing and live entertainment films seem to be uh, somewhat back on track because I think they can take a lot of precautions that you know unfortunately with with uh, with the live stuff you you can't do so you know I'm an actor that does uh, stage and screen and here here in Michigan uh, it's surprising to uh, people from other states but we have a really great theater community and it's it's horrible not being able to you know, do what we love to do. And obviously artists are, are all encompassing, not just actors, but I mean, dancers, singers, artists, and, you know, even per show, it employs so many jobs from the ushers to the backstage crew and whatnot. You've got thousands of people that, you know, don't know what they're, what, what, what they're going to do right now. And it's very sad. Now, now you're, you're not just an actor. You're also creative, um, you know, because, and I say that, as a difference because you can totally brainstorm something and come up with the most awesome ideas, um, given your profession and whatnot. Uh, so have you thought of anything that, well, that might help in, in a time like, like it is now? Well, fortunately writing is something that I, I started to get a little deeper into, uh, I would say about three years ago. So when I was, Back in March, when most of us were stuck at home, I was doing a lot more of that than I would usually do. Um, sure. but a lot of it was work on projects that already existed. I don't know if uh, the pandemic itself has given birth to an idea, but I do have a feeling that there's going to be somewhat of a renaissance when this is all over. Because when you have so many artistic people that have been stifled for so long, um, I think this is going to be an amazing opportunity when it comes, you know, when, when people are able to start doing what they want to do. Uh, I think a lot of ideas are going to flow because mindsets have changed because of this. And um, there's such a need for art right now. And, you know, it's, it's like what so many people have said when back when 9-11 happened, a lot of people, that's what they turned to. They went to the theater and they went to concerts and things like that. And the fact that we're all sort of going through something um, this of, of this magnitude and we don't have that outlet, 
I think that the upside to that is that it's going to produce a lot of creativity when, you know, this is finally behind us. Sure, sure. Um, now, I heard recently that um, they will be distributing in America the vaccine um, to first responders and nurses and things of that nature. And then some, come sometime in the first quarter, everyone will have a chance to get the vaccine, supposedly. Um, what, what do you think about that? Are you a fan of the vaccine, or what's your, what's your take on that? Well, I think everybody's opinion on, on that is, is going to differ, and, and clearly it does, because there's a lot of talk about it right now. Um, so in my own personal situation i'm for it because the hardest thing about this year has been having high-risk people i i know quite a lot of high-risk people and many of them are, are, are very close to me so they've been at the top of my list as far as anxiety and fear regarding this so I, i'm thankful for the vaccine in the sense that even if we can just get those high-risk people to a safer place so that we can be in each other's homes and start spending a lot of quality time together that we haven't been able to do. Um, I think that's a wonderful thing. I mean, I don't know how quickly um, younger and not high-risk people will even be offered this because there are so many people to get through. Um, but I'm definitely, at the very least, I'm a fan of vaccinating people who really need it so that they can get on with their lives. Sure, yeah. And um, people talk about normalcy, um, but I think, truthfully, that we're in the end stages of how it used to be and the very beginning of a brand new. You know, oh, so, so I think that, that how we socialize, how we communicate it's going to be totally different than what we read about, what we talked about, you know, because this thing has given us no choice but to move different, you know? And, 1,000%. Yeah, and so, so with that being said, I, I love your, your insight on that because I think you're, you're right on the money. Um, when, the, when the vaccine comes, though, do you think that there will be side effects because of that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, statistically speaking, there are side effects to every vaccine. Um, what I'm hearing through the grapevine is that um, they seem to be pleased with the fact that the side effects that are already known from this vaccine, um, they've been able to identify and they don't seem to be life-threatening. Um, so I think that's a very good sign. But yes, I mean, there are always side effects. And, um, you know, I, it, the topics like that is something that I, I try and see, um, you know, both sides of, of the coin, because you can make very strong arguments both ways. That's why I'm sort of limiting my opinion on it to just the people who need it most and being very much in support of, of that. Because unfortunately, the thing about this virus is it's making its way through them on a far more catastrophic level. And it saddens me how many younger people have taken the attitude of, you know, the, the odds are in 
my favor as far as, you know, if, if I get this being okay. And they fail to realize that as they're out and about spreading this thing, it's going to reach someone that is not going to be able to fight it off. And that's the thing about this virus that more people need to bear in mind. So I think it's become very clear that the majority of people are not doing the right thing and taking the necessary precautions. So once again, I think the idea of a vaccine becomes extremely necessary because for the people who are the most at risk, if people aren't going to protect them and they are going to be out and about, then there of course needs to be a way for people to be somewhat um, safeguarded. So, you know, in, in that sense, I'm very for it. Um, but touching on something that you said before that, you know, you, I, I said it myself, but you keep hearing the, the, the word renaissance thrown around a lot. And, and I think, you know, I mean, for me, I started hearing that in the early days of this. And the reason is, um, you know, touching on what you had said about, the, about a potential new normal, uh, you know, pandemics like this statistically happen once every hundred years. And Amen. historically speaking, every time it ends, it gives birth to a very new and exciting time. So I absolutely, I, I believe that since March, that what we're looking at um, is a future in which we will look back on this, um, even amidst all of the devastation that it's caused, and, and say, wow, I can see where we needed to go through that to arrive here, because this is what history is, is built on. And, you know, on a smaller, somewhat comical note, you know, something like, FaceTime, which has been around a very, very long time, uh, is something that I personally never used. I, I didn't have a need to and frankly didn't like it. And when I found myself quarantined back in March, that was the only way that I could see people. So I started using that and then, you know, bought some of the equipment, you know, where you can mount the phone and ring lights and things like that. And, you know, along with making those changes, you have business people that have realized that they don't need to get up first thing on a Saturday to go have a meeting in a suit and a tie. They can do it from home. So we are realizing through this that a lot of jobs can be done from from the comfort of your own home, which, um, you know, bleeds over into issues like, you know, new um, mothers, fathers, things like that, you know, that, that tribute a lot business-wise and still be able to be there for their families, which, I, you know, is, it has been a well-known war for quite a while. So that's something that, that we've learned from this. And there have been a lot of uh, little pockets of, of wisdom that I think have emerged. And I think at the end of the day that you can split people into two groups. You have people that really fear change and they dig their heels in. And those are the people that I, when I look around, I see people like that. They're the ones that have not really seemed to benefit all that much from the year that we've had. But the people that are very interested in evolution and personal growth and things like that, I don't think I've spoken to anyone that has not said that, that this year has had a very profound impact on them and the, the way they look at things. So I think, you know, if you're looking for the silver lining in all of this, it's, it's very easy to find. Yeah, I was, um, you know, before we actually got on the, the conversation, we had talked beforehand and um, we were talking about how, like, people react different to fear. You know, you you, yeah. t you touched on that. And that's, that's so true. I feel like with this thing going on, some people are in denial that there actually is a virus out here. And then some people are just like, 
you know, whatever, and dealing with it best they can. So, absolutely, it, that's a very it's a fear based response. You know, there there are, there are a lot of people that cannot handle things at this magnitude, or I think better put, they've convinced themselves that, that they can't. And um, there there is a lot of ignorance. I mean, I when we spoke earlier, I had touched on that. That on a on a sadder note, I didn't realize until this year just how prevalent that is in our society and and in our country um you know there has not been the banning together that i would have expected and hoped for i think on an individual level people have done some really amazing things but on a whole it saddens me to see all of the micro wars that have broken out over this and how many times it becomes political. And, you know, you have the people that say, well, you know, everything is politics. Well, to a certain extent, that's true. But at the end of the day, you know, enormous emergency situations like this do not emerge very often. And if you cannot hunker down and do the right thing, the once in a while you're, you're called to do that, I think it's, a, it, it's very sad because it's not as though this is the norm. It's not, and this will end. And, you know, it's, I, I don't believe in extremity. I mean, I think there are a lot of people that have taken this so seriously to the point where, you know, it's had some negative effects on them. I think if you can find the balance in all of this and you can say, all right, what's, what is the best I can do? How do I maintain enough normalcy to stay sane and also keep myself safe, keep my loved ones safe. I mean, Thanksgiving just happened and, you know, you there, there were a lot of wars breaking out amongst uh, people's families, you know, because half the family didn't think it was safe and the other half of the family did. I mean, I, I know quite a few people that had, had been telling me stories about that. And the thing that continued to blow my mind is that at the majority of Thanksgiving dinner tables, you have young children and you have elderly people and it really it just does not sit well with me that that there are so many people that are willing to put those people at risk and i mean granted many of them are are ignorant to this and they don't realize that that's what they're doing but in fact a virus that we know targets elderly and immune compromised people um, the number of people that, that don't seem to care about that is, is very staggering. And I think it goes back to something that our country has always had an issue with, which is our relationship to the elderly. Um, you know, there are many parts of the world that are very much ahead of us when it comes to that. Um, and I think that's my hope is that that's a lesson that certain people take from this experience. Because as so many people said, you know, you can have Thanksgiving this year. You know, and possibly risk not all being together for Thanksgiving next year. Or you can forfeit this and, you know, hopefully have, you know, your somewhat of a normal holiday season next year. And that seems to be very difficult for people. So, you know, it's, it's a comb- it's, it's, again, I think everything in life is very much a double edged sword. And when you look at Yeah, because I mean, it's not just see, that, it's that people don't like being told what to do. At the end of the day, and a lot of it is, it's not that necessarily someone's ignorant, but it's that they don't like being told what to do. And when it's forced upon, hey, you got to wear a mask in public, and these are people that 
just basically get trapped in the hamster wheel of the matrix, you know, that's like a foreign concept to do something that's out of the norm, which is to put oh, on absolutely. a mask, you know. I, I have friends so. who, who live abroad and, and in, in other parts of the world. And, you know, in the early days of this, when we were discussing it, you know, um, it's very sad to, to hear how so many of them were coming together. But then again, I had a friend uh, who, who illustrated something very, very wise, I thought, where they explained. They said there are parts of the world where that is the common goal always. You know, it, it's not so much a self-centered mentality. Um, it's very much a what is best for the majority. And oh, it's sure. the parts of the world that have handled this pandemic in that way that are well ahead of us. And, um, you know, that's, that's what people don't realize. There are so many people that are anti-masks and things. And if you sit down with someone and they can provide, you know, a tremendous amount of logic and reasoning behind their thinking, you may disagree with them still at the end of the day, but I will at least respect the fact that you have thought it through and made your own decision. The people that continue to baffle me are the ones, as you say, that their reasoning goes no deeper than they will not be told what to do. And right. this is the double-edged sword of freedom. You know, yeah. we live in a wonderful country where we're very free, but is that people fall into this mentality that any type of authority is bad and is, and is a threat to that. And in fact, I think that is a very ignorant view because there are times such as the one we're living in where you know, you really need to sort of leave your ego at the door and, and, and hunker down and do what's being asked of you because it's the right thing to do. And for all of the people that, that question how necessary it is, I myself question that many times. But at the end of the day, if we were wrong, at least you can look back and say, I'm glad that I did my part. It may not have done what, you know, we, we thought it would do, but I would much rather be on that side of things then, you know, jump the gun and feel as though I massively contributed to something that I did not necessarily have to. And that's what people don't realize is that, you know, this is, um, there isn't that much that's being asked of people right now, especially when you widen the spectrum and you look at the people who are out of work, who are really suffering, who cannot put food on the table. Um, you know, those are the ones my heart really breaks for and, and has since day one of this, the people who have the luxury to stay home and sort of just wait this thing out and are choosing not to. I mean, I myself go out. I was quarantined for the first three months of this back in March and then slowly started to integrate myself back out into the world, mostly for my own sanity. But there were still, you know, a lot of precautions I was taking. I, I stuck primarily to outdoor dining and and things like that. But I knew so many people who were throwing parties and having large gatherings. And, you know, th that that approach to this, which we know statistically is what spreads this thing the most. That's right. what I, I don't, I, I can't wrap my head around that. True, true. I'm with you on that. It, it can, the parties can wait. Birthdays can wait. I, I'm with you. I'm with you because it's, it's like you got to think from a place of logic. Uh, a friend just uh, mentioned that to me the other day and and that's that's so on point you gotta think from logic with this thing because logistically if we all chill in the same room we could die like the plague you know it could it could really take people out like that 
And so, well, and, it, and it has. In yeah. spite of what so many people seem to think, there are many cases of that where that has happened. And, True. you know, so people need to realize that, you know, even if you think that no one is invincible, if you're young, even if you're healthy, of all the people that I know in that bracket who have, who have gotten this, a tremendous amount of them have not gotten sick because we know 50% of people that get this do not become ill. And right. unfortunately, that's why it spread so much. Um, but of the people I know who did get sick, it's a very wide spectrum of people who got very, very sick. Uh, fortunately, I don't know anyone who, ha- who needed to be hospitalized, but I knew a lot of people who were, you know, spending their two weeks at home trying to recover, having a really rough go of it. I talked to another girl who had it and did get sick, but she told me out of all the sicknesses she had, this is by far the easiest one. And the next day I talked to someone that was sicker than a, you know, and having a real hard time breathing and very concerned. And these are people that are in the same bracket. So to not realize that, and especially when it comes to the large gatherings, you're putting that many more people at risk. And, and, and that's the thing. I mean, when I have met people over the summer, it's one or two people and it's preferably outside. And, you know, it, it, there's, just, there's an ocean of different canes, that kind of normalcy, and pretending as though this pandemic doesn't exist, which goes back to what you brought up, you know, that there are people that are just in complete denial over it. And that's what I think is sad because, you know, it, it doesn't have to be that grim. You know, right. there was so much of this that could have been prevented. Um, if we had done, you know, one of the things that I heard the other day that I thought was fantastic is somebody was making the argument against this current shutdown. And they said, if these shutdowns worked, then it would have worked when we did it the last time. And somebody came back at them and said, but we didn't do it the last time. Right. And I couldn't agree with that more. <laughs> that first shutdown, you still had people gathering in parks, not masked, you know, spreading this thing like crazy. M- many of us were at home. I was one of them. But for everyone that was doing that, there were hundreds of people who were not. So to say that, you know, we attempted this and, oh, well, see, it doesn't work, that's very, very stupid thinking because at the end of the day, people did not do the right thing the, the, the first time around. And it's precisely why we're back here. And if you look at parts of the world that did, many of them are able to reopen things that we are not able to reopen right now, and they're enjoying a lot more normalcy than, than what we are. And the well, I think, a lot, I think a lot is also that there are people out there who do not like technology. That's, that's just facts. You know, there's a whole group of people who just refuse to mess with technology, uh, whatever, even learn it, dabble on it, you know, whatever. And those people... We need to help the most because it's easy for us that know how to function laptops and VR headsets and FaceTime videos and stuff like that. But there's still that dynamic out there that doesn't like using these things, just like you were mentioning. You didn't like using it at first. And those are the people we need to help as well because uh, I feel like mental illness is going to skyrocket. Uh, just, it already has. Yeah, it already has. You know, it's proven. And it's just like we need to all not only maintain, but um, do it correctly. You know, like you're saying, like, make sure we mask up, make sure we cover up. And, 
And yeah, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. We didn't do this right the first time. Um, we need to, we need to get a hold on this. And for the longest time, you know, I didn't even want to talk about Corona on the show because like everywhere you flip the channel, everywhere you turn, there it is. You know, it, it really was the elephant in the room, you know, and, uh, but now that I'm a couple episodes in and whatnot and everybody's kind of, um, got somewhat of a routine to how they work this thing. It's like I figured we'd talk about it. Um, what well, what are I, some of know, your what are some of your routines? What are your some of your habits as far as like what gets you out of bed? Because some people are struggling to even get up. So so well, what's your well, thing? Well, you mentioned um, you know how this thing seems to be everywhere, and and mm-hmm. a, a very strange and sort of comical thing happened just before all of this began uh, back in March, I, there was a power outage in my city and it took down my cable box because it was outdated. Oh, okay. Unfortunately, I have a smart TV, so I have access to Amazon and Netflix and all those things. And I was putting off getting it fixed and then the pandemic hit. And I was very grateful for that because I was not able to watch the news. Um, and, and that I was very, I was, I was very, very glad for because the one thing that I that I do find a bit sad about all of this is I, I think the media's handling of the pandemic has been um, extremely damaging. You know, because as someone who clearly takes this seriously, um, you know, the, the fear-mongering that has been going on, I, I think it creates a lot of these naysayers. Because the fact of the matter is this, there, there is headline after headline that, that makes a statement, you know, so-and-so just died of this, and they weren't high risk, and they weren't elderly. And I was informed of some of these stories, and when I looked them up on my own, in the headline, that's what it says, but in the book, it says the exact opposite. It says yeah. that they had many underlying health problems, and that's the kind of irresponsibility that I'm talking about that I do think creates people that don't believe in any of this. I think that the media is actually working against itself because once you start going down that road and people can pick apart what you're saying and, and basically say, I'm sorry, that isn't true, then they start doubting you altogether is if there is a headline or a development that is, you know, really earth-shattering that we need to know, we will know about it. We will, you know, find it out somehow. We're we're living in that age. So I've limited my intake of the news and and the media, which I do believe in. Um, You touched on mental illness, and I think things like that are exactly why I was talking about balance earlier, that, you know, there are people who cannot sit in their home for a lengthy period of time, it's very dangerous for them to do so. So for those people, if you need to go out or meet a friend for coffee and, you know, hopefully be able to sit outside, which over the summer we were able to do, fortunately this pandemic hit at a very uh, convenient time of year because we had the outdoors. Um, And, you know, I would say that, that that's fine. Now there are a lot of extremists that take this, uh, very seriously that are against even that. I had to loosen my feelings on that because of the people who, in order to m- maintain their sanity and their emotional stability, um, that they need to have some kind of normalcy in their lives. And I have the utmost respect for that. I myself found myself needing to do that. That's why I broke quarantine. So, you know, for, for all of that, I think whoever you are, you have to find a way 
to make this work for you and also be as responsible as you can. Um, my daily routine, I mean, in the beginning, I look back on the three months that I was quarantined and I'm sort of in awe because, um, you know, I, I would not have thought of myself as someone who would handle that well. And much to my surprise, it, it was actually far easier than I thought it would be. I used the time for reflection and growth. And, you know, we, we all have lists that we carry around, you know, lists of people that we have bad blood with and whatnot. And I really made it a goal during all of that alone time. Uh, I didn't want lists anymore. I thought, you know, when all of this is behind us, I just want to love everyone. I don't want to be carrying around any kind of toxicity because this is a golden opportunity to heal a lot of that. And that's exactly what I did. I actually repaired old, uh, you know, friendships, people I hadn't spoken to in a very long time. That's awesome. Um, and, and, you know, what a beautiful thing that is. So I, I think if you use the time wisely, um, because let's face it, in our day-to-day -day lives, we don't generally do that kind of work because you can easily distract yourself with something else. You know, somebody asks you to meet them for a drink or, you know, whatever. And instead of that reflective, you know, amount of time you wanted to have, it's too easy to go do that. So this has provided people with an opportunity to do that, that I think is, is great. Um, you know, this second shutdown now, I, I've been largely quarantined just because it's, it's cold out there. Um, you know, I happen to be a big fan of the holidays. So I had initially thought, you know, well, this is going to be one year that I don't decorate because it's not going to be seen by that many people. But then I thought about it and I thought, no, I'm, I'm going to deck out the entire apartment because I want to wake <laughs> up every day and, you know, see something that, that makes me smile. So For I've sure. been, you know, trying to do things like that. It's still the holidays. There's still much to be grateful for. And, you know, listen to, you know, Christmas music and watch movies. And hey, Christmas music is the jam. And it's funny because yeah. we used to be so against uh, playing Christmas music so early, like around November. But honestly, it's like the new norm for me. <laughs> you know, as soon as I'm in the same boat because we need it. That song, we need a little Christmas. That is so applicable to where we are now. <laughs> yes, yes. And I was thinking about it. I was listening to, I think, um, I forget the artist, but I was listening to uh, This Is Christmas by some some artist. And... It just made me think, I was like, during these times, like during the 40s and 50s, there was that war era, you know, and they were going through it. So they, they wrote some really dope songs, you know, so hopefully we get some of that out of oh, it absolutely. and some, some absolutely. great movies, some great actors that come up, you know. I do think that this is a new beginning for a lot of things. As much as it, there is devastation, um... I hope that something great comes out of it. I, so. You know, Hank, I, I, I truly believe that before this pandemic, there, were, there was a lot of extremity, which, you know, sadly is still going on. But, but prior to this, I think as a society and as a culture, we were really sort of de-evolving in, in many ways. You look at things like cancel culture and, you know, all of those things that have been raging for, for such a long time. Um, this is a break, you know, hopefully, you know, to, to sort of put, to, to pause so many people's lives, to pause industries, to give people a chance to say, okay, when this engine, you know, revs back up again, what do we want it to look like? And I think there are many things that existed before that, that do need to go. 
that, you know, we, we need to start practicing compassion um, much, much more, you know, because there for Agreed. a while, you know, we've become so extraordinarily judgmental of each other. And, you know, there are so many reasons for that. You've got social media that, you know, certainly does not help in that. It helps in many ways, but it's very, very, uh, very damaging when it comes to everybody feeling that they have a soapbox that they can stand on. And, you know, I was really tiring of, of a lot of that. You know, I have friends who are, who are also actors who have said, you know, I, I'm scared to make it. In, in the current climate because somebody that I wronged back in high school is going to out me and then there goes that. And, you know, that is the other side. I mean, I think it's very important to speak out and, and be heard, but I also think that this idea of so many people out to destroy each other, you know, true, instead of handling true. Their, their own business and their own feelings. I mean, I was bullied growing up. I was wronged by many people. You know, I, never have I thought, you know, oh, I'm going to wait until they're... Uh, you know, at the very peak of their life and then tear them down. I mean, I think that that's a very poor reflection on you. Agreed. And seeing so much of that and, you know, it, there's so much finger pointing and it's a, I think we, we live and we're certainly living in a very toxic society that I hope um, through this that we really start to come together instead of drifting further apart because the micro wars and aggressions that exist, it's, it's, it's exhausting and it's very sad because, you know, that's not what we're here to do. And when you go down that road, it never ends. You know, those wars never end. It's always somebody else's fault. And, you know, if you're not picking on this group, then you're going to find another group. And, you know, so hopefully people see, you know, that they, that they tire of a lot of that that's been going on. And the pandemic in many ways has, has heated that up. I mean, we've seen so much of that over the course of this year. And, um, you know, I think this is just my opinion, but I think maybe the way out of that is to do it so much the way we have to where we all just burn out. You know, people are going to eventually exhaust themselves and realize that there, there is a better way. And, you know, hearkening uh, uh, back to that list that I was talking about, you know, that's a, a, a marvelous example of this. Uh, you know, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want the bitterness anymore. And, right. you know, whether you're whether you've been victimized or not, you know, he'll work on you and move on and, and wish whoever it is that wronged you well you know, hope that maybe they're in a better place than they were when they did that. Because when we inflict pain on other people, we're in a very painful, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like, it's like my buddy Gary V says, you know, whoever's bringing you negativity towards you, they're hurting, you know, like absolutely, they're hurting, man. And we need to, I'm with you on that. I I think basically what you're saying is we need what I've, I've been saying is more love. You know, it, it goes back to love. We need to come from a place of compassion when we speak to each other because it's not just a virus. You know, it's, it's the virus within the virus. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's, there is a lot of toxicity. And I think that it can be healed. But it starts with just how we say stuff. You know, I asked uh, one of my uh, previous guests, I asked, his name was Ted. Uh, I asked him, I said, um, I said, Ted, what do you think the solution is? And he said, folk music. And uh, I laughed at the time, and I'm sure some of my viewers did. <laughs> you know, but that that's so on point because 
I think basically what he's saying is like how infectious music is. And that's so true. Like the hot music right now is what I call sad boy music. You know, like if you listen to something on the radio and you hear it, it's, um, oh shoot, Ryan, we got to wrap it up, man. I'm so sorry. My guy is here to install the TV and I got to go. Oh, not a problem. We're going to end it like that. This is going to be the craziest ending of my episode ever. So thank you, Ryan, for being (laughs) on. You're the man. You as well, sir. All right. Take care, brother.